Welcome to The Chapel Online. At The Chapel, we're about helping people meet, know, and follow Jesus on the campus, in the city, and around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is really cold today for us here in Baton Rouge, and it reminds me of Colorado Springs. We lived there from 1998 to 2002. We lived at the top of a hill. And when the roads were snowy or icy, uh, you had to be real careful how you approached our house because you, you had to make a little turn downhill so you could turn into our driveway. And if it was icy and you turned down that hill, there was no stopping your vehicle. Many times we would warn people not to make the turn and before you know it, they were sliding down the hill. Their wheels would be locked and they wouldn't stop until they hit a curb. Some people would even put their car in reverse. It didn't matter. It would be, you'd move ever so slowly, but you'd end up down at the bottom of the hill and you might stay there until the ice thawed. Unstoppable. A car moving on ice, it's unstoppable. Just can't stop it no matter how hard you try. Today, we're gonna to look at the ministry of Jesus. And here's what I need you to know. The ministry of Jesus, like Jesus himself, is unstoppable. He started it, he sustains it through his people. We'll see today that the ministry that Jesus started on this earth has continued through his disciples and now through us. He said that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church, and they haven't. And so, I just want to start today with a, with a word of prayer for you. You may feel like your life is sliding out of control. There is so much going on, but I want to pause and pray that the ministry of Jesus would minister to you. Would you pray with me? Father God, I bow my head and I ask you to be with those who are, whose lives just feel like they're out of control, sliding as it were out of control. I pray for those that are just overwhelmed by the daily news feed, those that feel like maybe they've begun to doubt their faith and they just, they just wonder what's going on. Those that feel like darkness has just crept in either through depression or through the circumstances of their life. Lord, I pray for those that just need to be lifted up today that your ministry, as described in your word, would minister to us. Would you do that, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for praying with me. We'll be in Luke chapter 4. And at our locations when we gather, we ask people, hey, bring your Bible. As you watch this today, let me encourage you to have a Bible with you so that you can, you can quickly reference it. Maybe you can stop watching and read and, and just kind of be in that word yourself. So Luke chapter four, verse 14 is where we'll go. And Jesus had uh, been in the wilderness. Now he went on to Galilee and his ministry headquarters was there in Capernaum. And that's where he had been doing miracles and teaching. He had quite a following. News was spreading about him. And therefore, when he returned home to Nazareth, there was an air of expectancy. People were just excited. Here's what it says in verses 14 and 15. Jesus returned to Galilee, that's from his time of temptation, in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. 
He was teaching in their synagogues and everybody praised him. The Holy Spirit had led Jesus um, into the wilderness to be tempted and now is leading him to this next phase of his ministry. That's what we see over and over here in these, uh, these first days of Jesus's ministry. And I gotta ask, what was he saying? What was he doing that, re that he received such praise? Now that he's in his hometown, he begins to explain it. Here's verse 16. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, as a rabbi, he would be expected and allowed to read and to teach. And he would read from, as we'll see, the prophet Isaiah, which was written 700 years before Jesus. And the promise of the Messiah that Isaiah wrote about was something that people would wait 2,000 years for. And Jesus is about to claim that he is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. Here's what it says. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. So Luke has it this way in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Not only was Jesus directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, but he was anointed for the task ahead. The word anointed uh, indicates that this is a, this is a messianic prophecy from Isaiah. Because you see, the Hebrew word Messiah means anointed. And the Greek word Christ or Christos means anointed. So from these very opening remarks in this synagogue, the people that were listening would know that he's talking about the Messiah. Then there's this phrase in that, because he was anointed, and that it introduces a, full, a fourfold ministry of the Messiah, to do this, to do this, to do this. This is the, the aspect of his earthly ministry he performed around that area. And now that he is home, I'm sure that the people that had turned out uh, to, to see him wanted to know, you know, hey, why is he so popular everywhere he's been? And he is about to tell them. And it says, the very first thing it says is, the first phrase is to proclaim the good news to the poor. Now to put this in, in everyday terms, it means to evangelize. Now we know from Jesus's life, he ministered to the rich and the poor alike. Everyone from every possible socioeconomic condition needs the good news of Jesus. And so he says it, it, to proclaim uh, the good news to the poor. Now, remember, remember the first words of the greatest sermon ever preached called the Sermon on the Mount? It begins with this unique recipe for happiness. We call it the Beatitudes. Blessed or are happier those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is, happy is the person, the man who, who doesn't have any resources left in his spirit, and he knows it. Or you might say it this way, happy is the person who does not have um, any standing before God and does not have any long record of a good works to rest on, who does not rely on self-satisfaction uh, self or self-righteous attitude. Happy is the person who comes to God and says, 
be merciful to me, a sinner, because God is able to give that person the kingdom of heaven. They're poor in spirit, and they know they are. You see, Jesus never wasted much time on the self-righteous and the self-sufficient. He preached to the poor in spirit. Eh, we don't need to waste our time talking to people who think they, they have everything they need and, and trying to convince them they also need Jesus. Eh, look for those who know that they have a, a deep uh, need in their life. That they actually know they have nothing. Right? And don't, let's not be fooled by appearances, right? Not be less misled by, by uh, those who pretend to have everything while there's still a searching and a hungry heart. Some, some of the wealthiest people I know are the emptiest. So when we talk to people about Jesus, we need to get to the heart need, to, to the heart of poverty in that person. That's what it means by preaching the good news to the poor. And Jesus wants to meet you right there. So we say that Jesus' ministry explained uh, is explained by announcing good news. We call that just evangelism, telling people about Jesus Christ. Jesus came to share the good news of the kingdom and invite people into it. And we can do the same as we talk about Jesus. Now, now let's look at the, the second aspect of this messianic ministry that Jesus announced from Isaiah. It is called, uh, it, it's called bringing release and recovery, right? He has, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and release of, uh, and recovery of sight to the blind. That's the second aspect. And there's, this, there, there's two pieces to this. Uh, re release, freedom, and recovery of sight to the blind. Release for those that are in captivity or imprisoned. Do you know any prisoners? Let me assure you. Let me assure you, you do. Think about the people that are, that are bound by the, bound up by the outlooks and attitudes that, that hold them in perpetual captivity. Do you know anyone that is struggling to free himself from, say, habitual habits or uh, to have himself and kind of in this, they feel like they are in this vice-like grip, right? And they, that can be tough. Do you know, do you know people who are, are locked into a pattern of, of uh, poisonous hate or, or jealous bitterness or, or possessive greed, which may seem, which they can just seem powerless to break out of. To, right? Maybe you're in such a place yourself. Yeah, there's good news. Jesus Christ can set you free. Set you free from that. He's done it for millions of people and he can do it for you. There are people who are blind today. Right? They're blind. Let me give you an example. You may know men and women who think they're doing the right thing and who mean to do the right thing, but somehow it always turns out wrong. They're blind. They cannot see the end of the paths they're on. Often they're, they're heartfelt, honest people who hope that they're doing right and struggling along as well as they can, but nothing works out for them, and they end up stumbling blindly from one episode to another, deeper and deeper into difficulty. Aren't these people blind? Absolutely, they're blind. They need the ministry of Jesus that's introduced right here, the recovery of sight for the blind. The release and recovery ministry is the result of the truth. That's what releases us and brings us recovery. Jesus said it this way, 
you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth um, releases captives and restores sight. Truth doesn't mean telling people what they want to hear. It means telling them what they need to hear. Jesus said this also. He said, he who follows me, anyone who follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's John chapter 8, verse 12. This is the work of teaching. Jesus is teaching. So Jesus' ministry explained, you could say, the first part was evangelism. This next part is about teaching. It brings uh, release and recovery. It brings liberty and light to that. To teach someone is to disciple them. And to disciple someone to, to follow Jesus means that we're doing more than just attending church or, or singing songs. It means learning to obey Jesus and with every fiber of our being, even when we seek sin and selfishness. The work of, uh, the work of teaching touches on every component of our life, uh, our work, our family relationships, our friendships, our school relationships. It's the use of our spare time, the entertainment choices we make, our political involvement, our social concern, and on and on. And part of the work of ministry is to teach men and women, to teach uh, boys and girls, students, how to lay hold of the power that will release them from the captivity so that they can fully follow Jesus, fully follow Him and obey Him, because He's the one that's going to open our eyes, lead us out of darkness, into light. So let's look at the third aspect of this ministry that Jesus announced. First, it was to um, proclaim good news to the poor. Then it was to proclaim freedom and the recovery of sight. And now it's to set the oppressed free. To set the oppressed free sounds very similar to, um, you know, recovery of sight and the release of a captive or prisoner. But this one's a little different. The tense of the word, its usage, suggests demonic oppression, controlling people. Now, now the result may be the same, liberty, but the problem of oppression is much deeper. It's more serious uh, than just mere captivity. It's more than, than tyranny. There's also the terrible cruelty involved, and it results in a sense of burden and sadness and even depression coupled with just, you know, an overwhelming hopelessness. I've seen people oppressed by anger and bitterness, right? Once it has taken root in their heart, that bitterness has control over them. It begins with a, uh, it begins to taint and color everything they do. And, I, and I've spoke, and, I, and I've seen it, I've seen it in broken relationships where, say, a spouse once was maybe unwilling, unwilling to um, forgive, later then becomes unable to forgive. I, I've talked to couples in such situations and people and, and just basically said, you need to forgive that other person. But they say, I can't. And that's when I say, we need to pray. We need to pray, you need to pray. I've had occasions where in prayer, I've watched a hardened heart soften, right? I've watched a heart that's been, that's been hardened with bitterness soften to the point that people just 
they weep as if they're freed from the stranglehold of bitterness that, that was just kind of held them oppressed. This ministry is the ministry of prayer. It doesn't need to be done by a pastor. A caring friend can step in before a problem has grown and, and morphed into some monstrous oppression and just say, hey, I need to pray for you. Prayer is particularly effective in these kind of oppressive problems. Jesus said of the boy that was ridden by a demon, this kind can be driven out, uh, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Prayer is so powerful, and it was definitely a ministry of Jesus. So when we see the ministry of Jesus explained, we see an aspect of evangelism, we see an aspect of teaching, and to set the oppressed free. Well, it's, that's a spiritual battle, and that comes through prayer and counsel. Now let's look um, even further past that, uh, past that to the proclamation of the, the, the year of the Lord's favor. But before I go, I just want to remind you that some of the battles of the Christian life are only fought on our knees as we, as we call out to God, as we intercede on behalf of other people, particularly those who are oppressed. So Luke chapter 14, that phrase is our last aspect of Jesus's ministry, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this verse is just one half of a verse from Isaiah chapter 61 verse two, which in full reads this way, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. It's interesting to me that Jesus stopped halfway through a verse and he stopped reading. Why? Because that first half of that verse represents the Messiah's first coming, coming to this earth to bring uh, grace and truth. The second half has to do with the Messiah coming back as the judge. So Jesus stops right there, right? And he just, he just says, this is the year of the Lord's favor. Now, when we proclaim this remarkable fact, and this is, what, this is how it plays out. When we explain and clarify what is happening in the world around us, we can relieve people's fear and, and it's a scary time for many people, right? Who get up, you know, the people get up every morning and read the news feeds and it's just, it, you just feel like the world's gone crazy, mad. There are terrorist attacks. There's, there's uh, wars and strife and political upheaval and racial tension and shootings and murders. And it can scare us and you can just feel like history's just spinning out of control. And many people fear that, that God has lost his control and command over human events if he ever had control. They feel lost and hopeless and helpless victims to something that seems to be out of their control and running out of control, right? And when, when people today desperately need to hear Christians say, this is the year, even in the midst of all this, of the Lord's favor. The scriptures, the Bible, they need to know that God who, who knows what he's doing in our day and age. They need to hear that God is actually restraining forces of evil so that people can pursue God and, and, and permits the gospel to, to move out, right? 
They need to see that, that while God um, restrains evil, he still allows it to happen so that we can even recognize our need for God. But this is the year of the Lord's favor. We need to say that over and over again. It brings such hope. So Jesus' ministries, I, we've explained it with four simple words, evangelism, teaching, prayer, and explaining the, the times. That's how we would summarize it. Now, Jesus read that passage out of Isaiah, and when he had finished reading, he sat down, which is what rabbis did, to teach what he had uh, to teach about what he had read. Now, many had heard his teaching; some had meant, witnessed his miracles. Right? He had been. Remember, the the, the miracles of Jesus were to uh, demonstrate physically what Jesus came to accomplish in our spiritual life. And his hometown, they were eager to hear from him and to see his power. So look at verse 20 of Luke 4. It says this, He rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Just like that, he's done. And he didn't teach. He announced. And what he announced was something uh, they were not expecting. They were confused to be sure. But here's something you need to know. He's at his hometown and his ministry begins to expand. It begins to launch right there in his hometown. I don't know about you, but whenever you try to talk about Jesus among your family, it's the most difficult. It's really hard, isn't it? Uh, people who, who've known you for a long time, they'll put you in a box and they won't let you leave it. And this is part of what happens to Jesus, but he's going to confront it immediately. And look at verse 22. It said, All spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they ask? <laughs> in other words, they say, This can't be the Messiah. We know him. He's Joseph's son. And there's the box, right? If you're a student, you know, say at LSU or high school somewhere, and you try to talk about Jesus with those that are around, it can be really hard. If you're a business person and you try to bring up Jesus to those people you work with, it can be so difficult. And it's maybe most difficult in your family because they know you and they wonder if Jesus really has changed you. So Jesus confronts this, and he says to them in verse 23, Surely you will quote the proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in our hometown what, you, what we've heard you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. He knew they wanted to see what he had done in other areas. They wanted a show. They wanted miracles, which is we all want at one level or another. Now, now, Jesus, the Messiah, would indeed begin at the, at the level of the miracle to capture attention, to evoke trust, but he wanted to do something much deeper than that, much more critical, which is work at the level of the human spirit. And that healing of the human spirit, which is really what God wants for all of us, and it's at that level that this prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled in Nazareth. Jesus is saying, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. 
Now, like Israel, the nation of Israel, before this time in Jesus' life, they wanted proof all the time. And Jesus just says, hey, I need to remind you of something. Of, of when, when Israel rejected God, what did he do? He, he went out further, right? He, he went out to the Gentiles. And so Jesus is, he's telling them this, you got a choice to make. You can accept what I've just said, or you can reject it one way or the other. But if you reject it, I'm going to take my ministry, I'm going to take it out even further to the ends of the earth, which is really um, the heart of Jesus. He wants his ministry to go to everybody. So his, it expands to his home in his hometown, and then ultimately it's going to expand to the ends of the earth, which we've seen now. But, but listen to what he says. In verses 25 and 26, he's sensing their disbelief. And he says to them in verse 25, I assure you that there, are many, that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut up for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the region of Sidon. So that's, that's where he says, so, so this first example is of a Gentile uh, widow, not a Jewish widow, in a Gentile area. See, the people of God had rejected. I mean, the people of Israel had rejected God. And God said, you know what? I'm going to send my prophet to the Gentiles. The point Jesus is making is really obvious. If you reject me, I'm going to go outside of you to the Gentiles, which is where I hoped you would take right? He shows them that his ministry is ultimately to the world. Then he gives them a second example. It says in verse 27, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman uh, the Syrian. So just like the last example, when the people uh, of Israel rejected God, um, he sent Elisha, which is Elijah's protege, uh, to heal the sick, not of uh, Jewish descent, not in Israel, but in Syria. Again, Jesus is saying, you need to re realize uh, I'm standing right here before you. Don't reject me. If you do, I'm just going to keep going to the ends of the earth. And that's what he's showing them and with each one of these. Jesus is, he confronts their disbelief. And you know what it did? It made him mad. It made him so mad that they tried to kill him by pushing him off the cliff of his own hometown. Look what it says in verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up. They drove him out of town. They took him uh, to the bro of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But you know what? Jesus' ministry endures. Jesus wasn't going to be pushed around. He's not a, he's not a, he's, he's not a pushover. He's not a, I was trying to think, he's often characterized as, you know, hair flowing in the wind. He's, he's not that guy. They push him right um, to the edge. And, and he says, you know, there's enough. 
and he, he, it's just, it's like a, it's like a, a mic drop moment where he just goes, okay, that's enough. That's enough. And he stops. Verse 30, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Jesus would not be stopped. And he's not stopped today. His ministry today is carried on in and through his followers, empowered by the Holy Spirit and equipped by using their gifts. That's what's happening. It's going further and further out. You know what? He said, you're not going to take my life from me. I'm going to lay it down for humanity. He would say that later. No one takes my life. You're not going to push me off a cliff. I love that. He went all the way to the edge, but then he said, enough. And he walks through it. His, he endured there. His ministry endures today. Actually, it's explained beautifully in Ephesians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul says, you know, we're all given these gifts, and God uses unique people to equip the church of Jesus Christ to take the ministry into the world. That's what's going on here. And so this is the way it says that in Ephesians chapter 4, moving to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, he says this, and he, God, or Jesus, gave uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to, the, to mature uh, manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's an interesting phrase. God gives people, like pastors, a pastor, teacher, a shepherd, an evangelist, to do what? To equip the people, the church, the followers of Jesus, you, to do the work of the ministry. What is that work? To tell people about Jesus, to evangelize, to teach people what he said and the truths of the Bible so that they're freed and don't have to walk in darkness, to, to uh, pray for the oppressed and ask God to bring uh, freedom for them and liberation, to explain the time so people are not overwhelmed. That's now our job as Christ lives in us. It, we have a, uh, a value at the chapel. Um, one of our values is empowered people because the ministry is out there among the world where we represent Christ. So you, the church, are the ones that are to talk about Jesus. You know, so many people in the New Testament, they're not, they're not, uh, the heroes are not priests or pastors or professionals of some, some kind of religious professionals. They're everyday people. They're businesswomen. They're fishermen. They're farmers. They're tax collectors. These are the people that took the message of Jesus and take the message around the world. It's unstoppable when it is spread among all of his people. And, and you and I are the ones that are, are to teach and to bring light where there's darkness and recovery of sight for those that are blind and say, no, this is, that's not the way the world's designed. This is how it's designed. You and I are to do that. You and I are to pray. Pray for those that are oppressed. Well, not just, not just the professional, right? But just a friend. Hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for that, that moment in your life where you just feel like I can't change anything? God ask us to pray. God ask us to explain what's going on in the year of the Lord's favor. So I just want to end there. This is the year of the Lord's favor. He's holding the door open. He's wanting people to trust him, to believe in him. It's not as bad as it will be.
It's not as bad as it could be. This is the year of the Lord's favor. He is still on the throne and in charge. And he wants you to trust in Jesus Christ. He wants you to believe that his son died for you and rose from the dead. He wants to bring you out of darkness into light. He wants to take um, things off your eyes that are causing blindness. He wants, he doesn't want you to feel oppressed or be oppressed, but have freedom to love and serve him. That's what he's calling us to. That's what he said then and there. Is it hard to believe? You may be one of those that's like, I really struggle. Those in his hometown struggled too. And yet he said, the message is going and it's changing the world. And it has been for almost 2,000 years. And there are billions of people on this planet who worship and know Jesus Christ. Would you be one of those? Let me pray for you and pray for us that God's, that, that this ministry of the Messiah would continually transform us and we could take it to the world around us. But first, it has to transform us. We can't impart what we don't possess. We can't give what we don't have. We can't come back from where we've never been. So I just want to stop and pray for you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ and his ministry. I pray for those that are watching today, if they've never encountered you, who feel overwhelmed and oppressed in darkness, really they just feel blinded, would you bring relief to them right now as they trust in you? I pray for those who've never placed their trust in you, that they would do that today. They'd bow the knee of their heart and say, Lord Jesus, today I believe I trust by an act of my will. I put my trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. I declare that his death on the cross was for me. His resurrection from the dead was for me. And I ask him to forever change me. And I know that he will. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for following along with us in the in the Gospel of Luke. If you have any questions, please let us know. You can uh, email us at connect at thechapelbr.com. And if you have questions about following Jesus, saying yes to Jesus, please visit our website. Thanks so much. God bless. Thanks for joining us. To find out more about the chapel, visit thechapelbr.com.